It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison Futter from MLB.com, here for a special postseason edition of MLB.com Extras. I am here with Ken Gurnick, who covers the Dodgers for MLB.com, and Anthony DeComo, who, of course, covers the Mets for MLB.com. And we're having this conversation because these two teams are obviously playing each other in the division series. So, uh, guys, I want to... First, talk about the uh, the strength of both of these teams, and it's what everybody is talking about. And that, of course, is the starting pitching on both sides. So, the Mets appear to possibly be a little bit deeper uh, because they sort of have three very strong starting pitchers uh, for the division series, whereas the Mets, whereas the Dodgers have, um, of course, two that we all talk about, but they might be a little bit stronger. So, Anthony, let's start with you. Let's talk about uh, just the the three guys who are set up to pitch in the division series and some of the strengths that you see from that uh, rotation. Yeah, when when you look at the Mets rotation, there's not uh, really a weakness. And if Steven Matz uh, proves healthy enough to go to pitch in game four, you've got four guys who can come at you 95-plus who have had a lot of success in the big leagues, they're they're very good. I mean, we, we've talked about them ad nauseum this summer, just how good they are. Uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard's really improved and probably has the best pure stuff of anyone on the staff. We all know who Matt Harvey is. Uh, Jacob Degrom was Rookie of the Year last year and really got better in a lot of ways this year. So they're strong across the board. Um, but the one thing, like you kind of just mentioned, was this team coming down the stretch has been really good at beating bad teams and it's no slight against them that's what the schedule was they've been really they've been really good at doing that um you look at the playoffs now all of a sudden jacob Degrom and noah Syndergaard are going to go up in these games one and two and for the first time in a long time they're not necessarily the clear favorites on paper if anything you probably give uh, the dodgers a slight edge just because of who clayton kershaw and zach grinke are um these are guys who relish that kind of challenge i think uh, they're looking forward to that kind of challenge and it's going to be really interesting to see because you look at the NL East, and with the exception of you know, maybe Max Scherzer and some other guys who have had nice runs, uh, these guys have been sort of untested wire-to-wire, some of the best pitchers in the NL East. Now all of a sudden they're not clearly the best guys in the game that day, and it's going to be interesting uh, to see how it pans out for them. So, Ken, let's move over to the Dodgers. And, of course, we know plenty about how Clayton Kershaw and Zach Granke respond to the postseason. Um, and I think we all can, uh, can anticipate that we're going to see some very good performances. Uh, beyond that, um, who, who lines up? Is it Anderson? And do you see um, having some, a little bit of uncertainty beyond those two pitchers uh, kind of an issue or a problem for the, this first round? Well, it is, but I think it really just comes down to Kershaw and Granke. And if they uh, do what they've done all year, uh, I think the Dodgers should be able to win this series because you have, uh, not to take anything away from the Mets pitchers, but I think uh, Kershaw at his best and Granke at his best 
should be able to beat basically any lineup. Uh, of course, we've seen over the last few years in the playoffs, they don't always pitch at their best, uh, at least Kershaw for sure. Uh, he doesn't need to be reminded of that. He's pretty aware of it. I think he's, uh, he's on a mission to disprove uh, what people think about him in October. And uh, I, I tend to feel from what I've seen of Kershaw, and I've watched him since he was drafted, that when he really puts his mind to it, not that he wasn't trying last year, but uh, when he's out to prove people wrong, he's usually pretty successful at it. I think he's on a mission, and uh, I think uh, in this first round we're going to see the best that he has. Uh, whether he has to pitch twice or only once, you know, that, that just depends on how the series goes. But I do think that if he does have to pitch twice, they're going to get two really good starts out of him. So, Anthony, I want to – it's interesting. Game one should be um, fascinating for a lot of reasons, but um, Terry Collins does not anticipate using it, like adjusting his lineup very much to adjust to uh, left, facing a left-handed starter. This is obviously no time to start um, messing with things too much or changing things up too much. So we're going to see Daniel Murphy, Lucas Duda, um, and Curtis Granderson in that lineup. Um, so what, what what do you feel about that? That's probably the way to go, but um, you know, how do you sort of see that, that lineup working out in that game one? You know, that's an interesting question because those three guys that you just mentioned uh, didn't really play a whole lot down the stretch against left-handed pitchers. The Mets had a 38-man roster with the September call-ups coming down and used a lot of right-handed bats to spell those guys to give them rest. To the point, to the uh, extent really that when the Mets played the Nationals the last weekend of the series, a lot of those guys requested actually to face Gio Gonzalez, the left-hander, because they just hadn't seen a lot of it lately. So how those guys respond is going to be interesting. Um, you know, one guy who's been a big part of their offense, Michael Conforto, who was in college last year, uh, he's going to sit against the lefties. That gives them a weapon off the bench. But those other three guys, Granderson, Murphy, and Duda, will play. Now, Granderson and Murphy haven't had great years at all against left-handers. Duda was great against them earlier in the year. It was a real focal point for him in spring training, and uh, you know he's learned to shorten up the swing, go the other way, take singles instead of trying to just crush these guys. And he does have plenty of power against left-handers, just as we've seen from him against righties. Um, but these are pretty good left-handers they're facing, too. I mean, you're talking about Clayton Kershaw at the start is the best in the game. So, uh, you know, it's tough to expect a ton from those guys, but you're also, if you're the Mets and you're Terry Collins, you got to put your best hitters out there and, and you know, those are. Lucas Duda got them here. Curtis Granderson got them here. Daniel Murphy got them here. So they'll play. It's just a matter of how they fare against uh, what's not exactly an ideal matchup for them. Okay, I want to move to bullpens. And, Ken, let's start with you. It's, I, it seems to be uh, rightfully so that Don Mattingly has a lot more confidence in his bullpen going into the playoffs this year than maybe he did last year. Uh, but it's important to make sure that um, Kenley Jansen is getting a lead to work with and getting him to that, getting the team to the point where Jansen is pitching in the ninth inning. So I just want to start with you. Can you just uh, talk in general about the strength of the bullpen, if you see it as a strength um, at this point in the season and what we, can, we might see from sort of the innings leading up to the ninth? Well, Mattingly probably has a little more confidence in the bullpen than I do. Um, <laughs> But but it is better, and it has definitely been better in the second half than it was in the first half. Uh, the biggest difference is that Chris Hatcher has improved. Um, he's not the uh, the lights out setup guy that they were hoping he would be. 
um, but he has definitely improved from the first half and mainly uh, mixes in uh, J.P. Howell against left-handed hitters. So he's not uh, actually beating a, an entire inning to Hatcher. It depends on, on who's coming up, and he will go to Howell uh, for left-handers. Uh, he's also been using um, uh, Avilon in the seventh inning. Uh, who's been very successful. However, the Mets' left-handed hitters uh, have faced Avilon quite a bit when he was with Atlanta, and they've had quite a bit of success against him. So uh, that will be interesting. Mattingly is very big on matchups, and they have had a lot of success against him. So that could kind of neutralize one of the weapons that they've had since they made the trade to acquire him. Um, you know, I think really, again, if they're going to win, it they're not going to be able to depend on their middle relievers. They need Kershaw and Granke to get them to, to uh, Kenley Jansen. And uh, the more they have to dip into the bullpen, the more dangerous it'll be for them. And uh, I don't think that's any secret. They would, they would love to get a, you know, a few complete, complete games. But uh, short of that, uh, the fewer times that Mattingly has to go to the bullpen, the better. Anthony, I think that we can all agree that uh, when it comes down to the bullpens, the Mets probably have an advantage in this series. For uh, Dodgers fans that are listening, for people that haven't followed the Mets as closely as you have and the Mets fans have, just tell us a little bit about the bullpen. Um, very strong uh, in, in setup and closing, and just how um, you know, just how much that's really boosted the team this year. Yeah, it really wasn't strong at all earlier this year. They had success consistently all season long i will say that um but april may even into june it just seemed to a lot of people like they were doing it with smoke and mirrors uh guys without track records who don't throw particularly hard um you look at them and you say these guys shouldn't be doing as well as as they were and they did come back down to earth a little bit to the point where when henry mejia who was supposed to be the closer coming into this year got suspended the second time uh the mets sort of found themselves in a bit of trouble. And they went out and they got Tyler Clippard. They went out and they got Addison Reed. And now those two, along with Juris Familia, who's been one of the best closers in the game, um, have formed this back-end trio that they trust implicitly. Not that they haven't had their hiccups. Uh, Familia really hasn't. But the other two have. And I think some rest this week heading into the NLDS will do them very good. It's kind of the same situation as Ken was saying with the Dodgers, where, you know, the Mets are a little stronger, a little deeper in the bullpen, but if anyone other than those three, Reed, Clifford, Familia, is pitching significant innings, it's probably because something went wrong. Um, they're hoping to get at least six, hopefully even seven or eight out of their starters every night, and then you can go, and it just gets stronger as you go along to the back end with Familia, who really is the guy who held everything together this year. Um, sort of thrust into the closer's role, wasn't supposed to be the closer, obviously has the stuff to do it, and has taken to it in a big way. Um, we've seen him hit 100 this year with his fastball. Uh, middle of the season, he you know he did go through a little rough patch, and he developed this 95, 96-mile-an-hour split-finger fastball that is just one of the most devastating pitches in baseball right now. Um, it's helped him to get lefties out as consistently as he gets righties out, and uh, he's just really a weapon. He can go more than one inning. Um, so with that, certainly is a strength. Uh, middle relief is a bit of a question mark. The Mets are going with some long guys. They're going to carry Bartolo Colon in the bullpen if he does not have to start a game, which is what they're hoping. Uh, they might carry John Neese. 
Um, you know, Hansel Robles has been good for them. But if those are the guys you're turning to, like I said, something probably went wrong. It, it is Reed, it is Clippard, it is Familia. Those are the guys the Mets trust. Those are the guys who are going to see all the high leverage innings in late in games. Anthony, I want to stay with you for a second on the lineup. So um, it's just kind of a, an interesting topic because um, obviously the Mets got their act together in the second half of the season. Cespedes has had a lot to do with that. Uh, not such a wonderful ending to the regular season, even though I don't think momentum has anything to do with how you're going to perform in the playoffs. But when you look at this lineup, uh, understanding that runs are at a premium in the postseason, it's always about the pitching and the defense in the postseason. How do you see this lineup being able to respond to, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but just like the fantastic pitching they're going to see. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's a bit of the unknown because, like I said earlier, this Mets team has not faced a lot of good teams down the stretch, really since since the end of July. Um, they had a horrid July when you look going into it schedule-wise, and uh, everyone thought that's when they were going to crash and burn a little bit. Uh, they didn't. They got through it. They faced and beat some pretty good pitchers there. Um, you know, there was a game where Noah Syndergaard sort of matched Clayton Kershaw into the – deep into the game, into the seventh inning, and the Mets wound up winning against the bullpen, which is probably what they're going to have to do to win this series, is just match these guys, because they're not going to hit them all that well. I don't think I'd be shocked if they do, and, and it's nothing against them. It's, it's all the credit in the world to the Dodgers pitchers, but if they can match them with their own pitching staff, uh, that's when you have a chance getting into that bullpen. Um, but in terms of the lineup itself, uh, I think it was a little bit of a reality check this past weekend when Max Scherzer no hit them uh, because that was really one of the few uh, standout stud pitchers that they faced in quite some time. Um, these guys have teed off against the bottom of the NL East a lot. Uh, they are good hitters. Cespedes makes them a lot better. Their bench is certainly a lot better than it used to be with Kelly Johnson in there now. And if Juan Uribe is healthy, that would be a big uh, plus for them. Uh, it's not necessarily looking good, but down the line, certainly if they get past the Dodgers, they could they could use him. Um, but you do wonder, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how the David Wrights and how the Daniel Murphys and the Lucas Dudas of the world, guys who have been successful, streaky, uh, haven't necessarily hit the top guys in the league, how they respond because they're going to have to hit them because the Dodgers don't really have a weak point in that rotation, especially if you're talking about potentially seeing Kershaw and Grinky twice in the same series. Ken, let's talk about the the Dodgers lineup. Um, you know, we've had many conversations over the season about this. It was sort of a, I don't know, a work in progress. It seems to have solidified a little bit. I mean, I'm looking at some of the, the hitters in this lineup and, and uh, that have uh, really settled in and really helped this team down the stretch. Of course, we need to talk about Yasiel Puig, where he fits in um, to the postseason picture. And then if you can just look over the entire lineup and do you feel like things are a little bit more settled with, with the Dodgers lineup? Well, the big thing that happened to the Dodgers lineup is uh, Corey Seager arrived and he, uh, and he played like he was like he had been there a long time and like he was ready. Uh, you know, he's been a can't miss prospect since they drafted him. He only has a month of major league service time, but it's been quite a month. And, uh, you know, it looks for all intents and purposes like he's moved, Jimmy Rollins out of the starting position, and he'll start. You know, the Dodgers don't have a, uh, a franchise-type bat in that lineup. They don't have a, uh, an Arnato or a, uh, a Buster Posey or a Paul Goldschmidt. They have a lineup that uh, is produces top to bottom. They take a team attack, and uh, 
they, like the Mets, have had trouble against good teams with good starting pitching. Um, but uh, they they do uh, follow the uh, the strategy that uh, Don Mattingly and uh, Mark McGuire, the team coach, have stressed, and that is uh, you know work the counts of the starters and get into the bullpen, and that I would think would be their strategy and try to uh, to run up pitch counts of these very good starting pitchers and try and get them out of there in the fifth or sixth inning, keep the game close, and try and get them out of there in the fifth or sixth inning based on pitch count, not on ineffectiveness or the score, and then try to capitalize on uh, on the lesser pitching coming out of the bullpen. And I would imagine that the Mets will have a pretty similar strategy to the Dodgers' top pitchers, and that's why these series very often become bullpen series, and uh, and it's what, what I see. Now, as far as Puig, he's, uh, he's been a question mark basically all season, and he still is now. Um, it's not clear whether he'll be active. If he is active, it's not clear whether he'll even play or just be on the bench. He hasn't had a good year. He hasn't had a healthy year. Uh, he's played two games in the last two major league games in the last six weeks. He didn't run hard in either of them. He's had bad hamstrings all year. And uh, the Dodgers uh, won in September without him. Uh, I think they believe they can uh, win in October without him. And uh, I think it's probably a coin flip whether he's even on, on the roster. I know that, uh, you know, national and international is a star. On this team right now, he's, uh, he's a fringe player, as odd as a lot of people might might feel that is to hear, but uh, you know I do think that they feel they can win without him, and uh, and I again it's it's a coin flip whether he's even active. Okay, good stuff, guys. Thank you both so very much, and uh, good luck throughout the postseason. I'm sure we'll be catching up with you soon. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.